2: From the king of sports books comes the king of sports podcasts. Unleashed, presented by MGM Here are your hosts, Speedy Mormon and Olivia Harlan Decker.
0: To the show, I'm Speedy Mormon, joined as always by Olivia Harlan Decker, and this is Unleashed from the King of Sportsbooks, BetMGM, and we've got a great episode lined up for you guys this week. We've got Portland Trailblazer star, podcaster, and vintner C.J. McCollum on the show to talk wine, being on a Cinderella team, and his life in the NBA. Olivia, I'm so excited. For that conversation, you took the lead on it, and I can't wait for the people to hear it. We're also going to be talking about how dads, even famous dads, can embarrass us even when they think that they're helping out. And then finally, on this week's Lions Lock, Peter Andrew is back from BetMGM, and we're going to talk about what Vegas got wrong and what they got right and his locks for the Sweet 16. But first, let's jump into some NBA trade talk Olivia, we spoke about a bunch of the trades that we thought may happen last week, but here we are now a week later. I'm wondering how were our predictions and what do you make of all of the big moves that happened in the league?
1: Yes, BD, with this stuff, sometimes it's more of what didn't happen that is important. And NBA's top contenders really stayed mostly quiet, nothing too blockbuster. But the Clippers, they're currently third in the West. They get Rajan Rondo for Lemon Pepper Lou Williams. He goes <laughs> home to Atlanta, Magic City celebrating.
0: So is that a the good Clippers now have I don't know. I'm you know, concerned about him going Clippers. there.
1: Oh, for him. Hey, he's got Lou Willville. He's good. He's got a lot of friends in Atlanta, my man. So he is um, he is celebrating as is the city. But it's great for the Clippers. They now have a true point guard. Rondo won with the Lakers last year. He's comfortable in Staples. So I, I like that move. The Orlando Magic was busy. As expected, they did trade off Evan Fournier, Aaron Gordon. But the real surprise with Orlando was they got rid of all-star center Nikola Vucevic. He's right. going to Chicago. Vucevic is the only all-star that was dealt at the deadline. So that's that's important. And the Bulls now are really showing that they're trying to make a push into the playoff conversation with this move. He averages 24 and 11. So he joins Zach Levine and company and they're currently 10th in the East trying to push, make that top eight. The biggest thing Toronto did not trade point guard, Kyle Lowry. Right. That was kind of a buzz. Is, is he going to stay or go? He's a free agent this summer, 35 years old, but he's asking for a lot of money as he should. But you know, Adam Lefko told us last week, he really wanted him to go to Philly. There was also some talk of him going to LA to play for the Lakers. And wasn't there something Adam said last week he played against him in AAU in Philadelphia?
0: He did. He was just name dropping, I think.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, We're all guilty of that. But, you know, the Raptors did sell high on Norman Powell. They got Gary Great. Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood from Portland. You'll hear actually later in the show, their former teammate, CJ McCollum, was telling me about that and, and just how bizarre it is when your teammates are traded away. So Anyways, I think this adds more offense to the Blazers. Powell is a more kind of dynamic shooter. He's having a great three-point shooting season. He's shooting 44% from three. So that's all very exciting. But over to the East, seven-time All-Star LaMarcus Aldridge goes to the Nets. You're Brooklyn Nets. They've got Kyrie. They've got KD, who's still struggling with the hamstring, reported not returning this week. James Harden, Blake Griffin, Nala Marcus, DeAndre Jordan. And they're coached by Steve Nash with Mike Dantoni on the bench. And as we record this, Beauty, they're second in the East behind Philly, despite one game. But how excited are you? I mean, it's it's the most exciting roster we've seen in a long time.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm not necessarily a super Nets fan, but them assembling this monsters type roster is making me gravitate towards them more and more. I think that the fact that they're able to start five all-stars is absurd I mean it's really at this point feeling like it's their finals to lose I mean I would love to see them go up against LA who just picked up big man Andre Drummond I think that is a nice addition for LA but talk about just from a swag perspective like Who's killing it more than Brooklyn right now? I don't know. Atlanta, maybe now with Lou Will, they got Trey Young. But, you know, in Brooklyn, you got Kyrie, KD, of course, Harden. We're talking about some of the swaggiest players in the league. So I'm excited to see them on the court, obviously, but also off the court. Just bringing that swag, that energy that the city needs.
1: I think the swag is a perfect word for it. Their colors are kind of like dangerous looking yeah. and everything about it. Uh, my favorite thing about doing a game at Barclays, too. I don't know if you feel the same way anytime you walk in there. First of all, it's so, so beautiful. The court so is nice. so beautiful. It's, so nice. it's awesome. Oh you God. get off the subway right there, like at the front door. It's, it's awesome. But it always to me smells like chocolate chip cookies.
0: <laughs> really? And I've,
1: asked, I've asked someone who works at Barclays, why does it smell so amazing in here? Like chocolate chip cookies. They said they pump in scents of that in the sweets.
0: No way. Yeah. That's like, what they don't do know to try to keep the money freezer. in the building.
1: Hey, the money's staying in the building, but they're spending a lot of money too. Wow.
0: Yeah, I've been in, I have, I must say, I've been in a suite in the Barclays and I've been in a suite at MSG uh, where the Knicks play and the the suites to me at the Barclays are superior to that of the garden. So I can understand uh, why I feel this way now. Maybe it's because low key, they've been sneaking in chocolate chip cookie scents just to make me want (laughs) to come back.
1: No, absolutely. But I thought I thought the Nets were your team, though. But are you kind of split with the Knicks?
0: No. See, here's the thing. I used to be a super Kobe fan, right? Obviously, the late great Kobe Bryant is no longer with us. And then after him, I was like, all right, I have no reason to root for L.A. anymore. So I have to come home to New York. And so I've always just kind of casually like split my fandom between Brooklyn and New York, which was fair because they both stunk. You know, like neither of them were really winning. (laughs) They weren't really doing much. But now it looks like the Knicks are going to make the playoffs. It looks Mm -hmm. like the Nets are also going to make the playoffs. But just from like a flavor perspective. Yeah. I got to go with Brooklyn. You know, it's just different. And even just the energy around the arena, you know, like when you're around in downtown Brooklyn versus like midtown Manhattan. It's just a different vibe. The vibe, even like you said, the colors, the jersey, just like everything about the Nets just brings that aura of like real gritty New York. And that's why. They're so fun to root for.
1: Now I hear you. And you are nothing if not flavorful, my friend. I feel like if you say something's cool, it is very cool. So the fact that you sign off on that, I I can get behind the nets too.
0: I'm absolutely honored at that compliment. Maybe a top five compliment I've ever been given (laughs) in my life. Now coming up next here on Unleashed, we've got CJ McCollum on. He's going to sit down with Olivia. I'm sitting this one out, but I'm excited for the people to hear your conversation. What can the people expect in just a minute?
1: Uh, well, we talk about our weddings. We talk about wine, um, every, everything in between, and including this past free agency and, and trade deadline, and then uh, what the Blazers need to do to stay focused. You know, he's coming off an injury in January, and and it's interesting to see how this uh, truncated NBA season and schedule is affecting players kind of mentally as well. So it was a great conversation.
0: Fire. Can't wait. Let's get into it.
1: CJ, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm especially eager to talk to you right now, well, about about two things. Your wine label, which I don't even know if you know this, but your people are sending me some bottles and I cannot wait to try it. The new rosé. And then I'm also very excited to talk to you about your NCAA tournaments, really two of them that put Lehigh on the map. And if you're okay, I want to start there because it was 2012. It put you on the national radar for sure. You had already won conference player of the year a couple of years. But to make this run as a 16 seed and then as a 15 seed when you upset Duke, do you feel like now the further removed you are from that? And as you watch these games now, does it kind of hit you different thinking, wow, we really pulled that off?
3: Yeah, it's it's definitely weird watching the highlights, seeing the baby face, the jersey swinging. (laughs) It takes me back to a lot of my collegiate memories, but it was a lot of fun. And I'm thankful for the opportunity and the experience to be able to play in the tournament. As you said before, I had success in my conference, but I think from a national standpoint, that stage is as big as it gets for collegiate athletes. And to be able to play against Duke, uh, the Goliath, Mm -hmm. Coach K, the team that has all those NBA players, for me to be able to play against them and have success and be able to, to help my team win, it kind of stamped me as a, as a guy who can play at the highest level.
1: You had 30, I want to say, in that game against Duke. Did you feel the pressure of this is an NBA audition?
3: Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, the, it's the opportunity you relish. Like you look forward mm-hmm. to a chance to kind of solidify. I always say, like, I always know who I am and, and I, I think highly of myself. But that's your chance to kind of show people who you think you are. and. If I would have performed not so well, I don't think my situation would have probably turned out the same, but from a pressure standpoint, Mm -hmm. you know, pressure is, as the saying goes, pressure is, you know, the single mother trying to provide for her children pressure is the, Mm -hmm. is the the person who is trying to figure out how their next meal is going to come for me. It's just a basketball game that I played my whole life. And it's my escape. It's my happiness. It's my peace. It allows me to be able to potentially take care of my family, which is what I do now at the time. I was just thinking I've worked hard. I've put the time in, just show up and whatever is meant to be, will be. And that's what kind of happened for me.
1: I know that GMs and scouts really look at your resume as a whole, but I cannot imagine at that age. And was that your junior year? Were you what, 20, 21?
3: Yeah, junior year, I was 20.
1: So at 20 years old, I don't think most people can wrap their heads around that, that truly a life altering night in that game. And you've got to think that that caused a lot of separation for you. I mean, that, that's crazy. How would you describe that to someone who doesn't understand that?
3: Yeah, I mean, I went from relatively unknown to like Justin Bieber and like celebrities tweeting <laughs> at me and being on ESPN Sports Center, wow. speaking to Charles Barkley, Shaq. So it was a little weird for me personally, because I'm just like a small school kid. I grew up in Canton, Ohio, mm-hmm. small city. Steel Mills. You just you you show up and you do your job and you go home type of mentality. So it was just more exposure for me to kind of be in the national spotlight, them showing my highlights to being talked about as an NBA player. To the next that actual summer, I ended up declaring for the draft. Mm-hmm. I end up going back to school and then I start the season off as a preseason first team All American. So it kind of put me in the spotlight as a guy who is elite at his position, a guy who has a chance to become an NBA player and someone who performs well on the bright stage.
1: It's just crazy to think the course of history, just how easily it could have gone another way. And then obviously you've deserved and proven yourself at this level. It's interesting. My husband played on the two Wisconsin teams who went to -to back-to-back Final Fours, played in the national championship, and then himself and Frank Kaminsky end up being the only players drafted from that team. And he always says, and I know Frank agrees, and I'm curious if you have the same experience. There's something very different about how much fun you're having playing the game at that level. You know, in college, it's like your teammates are your roommates. Your parents are friends. They travel to games together. Your girlfriends are friends. It's just so intimate. And I'm just curious if you have the same experience as then comparing it to the NBA from just a kind of fun and camaraderie standpoint when guys are traded left and right all the time.
3: Yeah, I thought I seen the Decker. I thought that was you. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think it's I think he's right. He's spot on. The The experience you have in college is, is unique in itself. And it's unlike anything you'll ever experience from mm-hmm. the dorm rooms. It's the. I always joke. It's the only time in your life to where you have freedom with no responsibility. Your only responsibility is mm. to go to class and to go to practice. There's no real repercussions for doing some of the things you you can do as a professional athlete, that'll be in the spotlight. So I think that's the funnest time. Like you said before, the girlfriends are close. The parents are coming to games. I remember my mom and dad would come out for games. They come out for the the conference championship. We go eat uh, at the dining hall. You kind of do all of those things. And then you move off campus and get a house. And that's really the only time you have responsibility is to pay your your rent, which you get a check from the team or a check (laughs) from the, the university. But to now being in the NBA, the deadline just passed. You talked about guys getting traded. We had Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood get traded while we're in Miami to the Toronto Raptors who were based in Tampa, only to go play against them two days later. It was super weird. It was it was crazy. So that kind of shows you the the business of basketball and how in college, like guys might transfer or coach might just leave, but Very rarely do you have to worry about like your friends being traded within like the middle of the season.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I remember one time Sam played four years in the league and he was traded from Cleveland to Washington and they were playing the Wizards the next day. And he's like, I know I'll be in the building. I just don't know what jersey I'm wearing. (laughs) Like, I really don't.
0: It's crazy.
1: It's just crazy. I don't think most people understand that dynamic of it. But all of your interests off the court, I think, make you so interesting to the average NBA fan, regardless of who your team is. I think a lot of people can get behind you and, and you've handled yourself with such class. And now this new project of the wine. Tell me how that even started, because obviously where you are in Oregon is such a hotbed for this and such a famous region.
3: Well, my wife introduced me to it in college. Well, obviously, we were of drinking age. So she introduced yeah. me and I wasn't a big fan of it. And as Mm -hmm. I pursued her and as I kind of matured and my palate kind of evolved, I began to like it more. You fast forward to 2013, I get drafted by the Blazers. And I taste my first Oregon Pinot. It was Walter Scott. It was uh, volcanic soil from from Bryant Creek. And Mm. I fell in love with it. I was like, wow, this is actually good. Like I hadn't tasted like high quality Pinot before. I had no idea what volcanic soil even was until I read the label and like learned about it. But fast forward some more. And I started going to like Shehala Mountains. I started going to Willamette Valley. ET takes me to some wineries. Evan Turner, shout out to my guy. And that's when everything kind of turned. I became fascinated with it. I ended up, you know, having a 600, 700, 800 bottle cellar. I started becoming a member at different wineries. And I told my agency, like, I I really enjoy wine. I would like to learn more about it. Next thing you know, I'm having conversations with Adelsheim about, a potential partnership in which I kind of get to pick the terms, you know, what it looks like from an educational standpoint. I'm learning about wine, learning about the business of wine. Gina, the winemaker, would kind of walk me through the process of tasting different varietals. And potentially I'd be able to design my own label, put my own name on it and, and start my own line. And here I am now with McCollum Heritage 91. I just put out a, a rosé or a rosé will be coming out in a week. I had a 2018 Pinot Noir going on sale in September of last year that sold out pretty fast. And, I put the I heard flower it sold out in
1: 45 minutes.
3: Yeah. yeah it's <laughs> wow. Crazy. This guy should have made more, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that's kind of the process.
1: And am I right? Heritage was your nickname as a kid.
3: No, <laughs> CJ. Well, I had a lot of nicknames, but CJ okay. was probably the one, but I grew up on heritage Avenue. So that was actually the street okay. that I grew up on. So that's, that's why with my heritage and I'm just big on my heritage in general. So that's, Heritage, But my wife's favorite flower is the anthurium flower. So that's the flower I put on the bottle.
1: That's so awesome. Well, CJ, I'm actually kind of selfishly interested in the process of making your own wine because it's something I've always thought I'd maybe get into down the road. I used to work at a vineyard in summers in college and um, have always loved experiencing that traveling to the Bordeaux Valley, Loire Valley, Chianti and and learning more about the business. So tell me, how do you even start curating your own bottle?
3: It's tough, but depending on what you're into, for me, it was more about education. I, I I factored in two things, right? Quality of wine, like what type of wine is it? What type of wine do I like? What type of education can I gain from this? And then from a live sustainability standpoint, they're live certified, which means they care about the environment. So I wanted to make sure that I approached it in, in a way in which I'm not being a detriment to society. I'm also educating mm. myself and I'm able to enjoy a great product. and. There's a lot of great options in the Willamette Valley and in the Chehalem Mountains, but Adelsheim just kind of made sense to me. It felt like an authentic partnership. It felt genuine. It felt like it was the right thing for me to do. And so far we've had nothing but pleasant experiences together and been able to collaborate on a lot of different things. So that was my process, but I don't think there's a wrong way to do it because Mm -hmm. no matter what happens, you get to taste wines, (laughs) which is always a plus. (laughs) you get to learn about wine and you get to educate yourself on the business of wine, which is a whole Mm -hmm. nother aspect that the casual drinker doesn't experience. Like now I look at bottles differently because I had to design a label. I had to get a patent. I had to kind of figure out what I would name things, what years I would try to put out and then what varietals I would try to put out. So there's a, there's a lot that goes into it, but it's been a very rewarding process because I've been able to see from start to finish a wine with my name on it with, with my taste preference and then being able to share that with strangers has been has been a really cool experience.
1: Man, that is a dream. But a lot of people now kind of associate the NBA with like, it's like a mini wine club. Like, when did this happen? I feel like NBA players have now taken a hold of the industry and you hear about, you know, on the plane to games, you know, drinking like extremely expensive, nice bottles of wine or in the hotels. And obviously it's the coaches. I worked for the Atlanta Hawks for three years and Mike Budenholzer is a big wino. He got that from Popovich. And and then I would see the whole staff, but they're like, it's such an art. When did this happen in the NBA?
3: I think it happened over time as players began to mature, began to get more into the business realm. And I think they got more comfortable with the world of wine. It started with, you know, older players talking about it in their interviews. Obviously you got LeBron, you got CP, you got Jimmy, you got Melo, you got all these players who've been in the league over 15 years who've been exposed to a lot and now are comfortable with speaking one. You got D-Wade who has mm-hmm. his own wine. You got the Currys mm-hmm. who have their own wine. and And now it's kind of expanding to where... Josh Hart, you know, most partnering with prisoner JJ Redicks in the wine. He loves white burgundy. Yeah. I have my own wine. So now we're, we're becoming more comfortable with it because it's more socially accepted as opposed to, you know, certain things that just aren't, aren't viewed the same. Wine is a, is something that you can enjoy in a mature setting. You can do business, you can do it with mm-hmm. teammates, you can do it with family and loved ones. And I think it's become more acceptable in our culture uh, as a a black man, we're we're more exposed to things. We're more aware of things. And I think in the Mm -hmm. NBA, guys are just more comfortable.
1: Well, I'd be remiss not to talk a little bit about this current NBA season. And I cannot wait to try your wine, by the way. So thank you very much for sending some my way. But just shortened season, so many games. You obviously had the foot injury coming back and you have 16 games, I think, in April alone. What's like the mentality of getting through the rest of the season? Cause I don't think people know how hard it is on y'all.
3: Yeah, it's brutal. It's brutal. We're making, we're making do with everything, testing a few times a day, kind of going through that process uh, mentally of staying out the way, trying to, trying to avoid, you know, a positive test. And there's just Mm -hmm. scares that kind of happen on a day-to-day basis. But from a playing standpoint, like you said before, I'm coming off a foot fracture. We don't practice because, you got testing, you got travel, you got games every other day. So it's just too hard to kind of put everything together. So I'm basically getting into rhythm in games, which is trial and error, some great moments and some terrible moments. And then physically, you're just exhausted. We flew from Portland to Miami. We landed. We had, uh, we had a lift and we had 8 a.m. testing, which is five Pacific, 5 a.m. Pacific time. We played a game that night. We had a back-to-back play in Orlando. And then we flew to Tampa to play Toronto. So the schedule, like you said before, 16 games in April, back to back's about just about every week. There's no real time to rest. You just gotta pick your spots. You got to get treatment. You got an ice tub, massage. I got dry needling scheduled for twelve thirty today. So just kind of going through that process. But then also for me being able to step away from basketball has been extremely important. So Mm -hmm. meditating, I have wine not only to drink, but projects that I'm working on to where I can kind of escape and I'm big on uh, healthy hobbies. So things that are healthy, but also make me happy. So sometimes they're not healthy, like eating French fries, they make me happy, but then also like hot <laughs> yoga. So being able to do yeah. those types of things kind of gives me an escape to where I don't look at the schedule. So like for you telling me that 16 games, like now I know, but I don't look at the schedule past three games. So I'll look at the next You
1: didn't games. know that.
3: <laughs> no, I didn't know.
2: <laughs>
3: I avoid
1: it. Maybe I shouldn't have told you.
2: <laughs>
3: That's okay. Don't worry about it.
1: But it's just crazy the, the struggle that it is. And I feel bad for these college athletes, too, watching them, especially teams that are losing in the first round. Everything they had to do to get there, it's just brutal on these guys. It's never been worse, I think, to be a college athlete. So it's, it's so great to see the team celebrate and, and continue to advance. Do you have a team you really like now? Are you able to watch much?
3: I haven't been watching. I got some friends that coach in college and some friends that play. But I wanted to – what was it, Oral Roberts? Yeah, yeah, you school. got it. <laughs> like uh, yep. they had a they had a young player number three. And he was pretty good. So I was hoping they would when They end up losing. So now I don't really I don't really care what happens. I think is Michigan out of it? Like I don't even know.
1: No, Michigan's in, playing so the lead I,
3: hope eight. Jo- I hope Jawan Howard does well. So yeah. uh, I, I like to see them win. Other than that, yeah. I
1: don't care. So CJ, what am I going to expect when I have your rose?
3: That's a great question.
1: Tell me what the taste notes I'm going to get.
3: I love strawberries, so you'll definitely have hints of strawberries. There's a little bit of lemon in it, some plush. It's super smooth. Everything I do is smooth. You're Mr. But, smooth. <laughs> Mr. Smooth, but Gina is super You're smooth. You're also Gina's very child. humble. Thank you. Super humble. I'm kidding. Gina, <laughs> Gina the, the winemaker, is, she's elite, and I always joke cool. and say she's, she's like the one behind the scenes that makes all my dreams come true. I have an idea of how I want something to taste. I have an idea of how I'd like something to be presented, and she... She outdoes herself every time, so she's like the she's like the the left guard that protects Tom Brady. You know, doesn't get a lot of credit, but without the left guard, there is no Tom Brady. And I think that's the winemaker in all industries—the one that's you know behind the radar, doesn't get a lot of credit, but does all the work. So it's compliments to her. She just she just brought a lot of you know what my wife and I wanted to see to light, and without her, there is no Heritage ninety one, and there is no great rosé. So I hope you do enjoy it. I've enjoyed it. It's very fruit forward. Uh, the, the bottle is, is, is pretty compliments of the design team because I just told them what I would like to see and they made it happen.
1: I love it. Last question. If Gina's the left guard, I assume you're Tom Brady in this scenario. Who is your <laughs> wife? And I love following Jeez. her on Instagram, by the way. Y'all had the most beautiful wedding and she kept whipping out all these new looks. I was like, she uh, and it was in vogue. Wasn't it in vogue?
3: Yes, it was. It was Incredible. In She's yeah. beautiful. Thank you. I appreciate it. that. Was fun. That was a lot of fun. The COVID small COVID wedding, but we got a lot of mm-hmm. pictures and a lot of outfits. Yeah. In. But I mean, honestly, <laughs> if, if you if you're talking about in the household, then I'm not yeah. Tom Brady. I'm more like <laughs> I might be Gronk. Or if I'm Tom Brady, she's uh, she, what's his name, Bruce <laughs> Arians? Yeah,
1: former Bill Belichick. But she seems a little bit nicer than Bill Belichick. Yeah, she's, Maybe she's
3: Bruce Arians. <laughs> if I'm the quarterback, she's the head coach. Love it. So that's kind of how that goes. But it's been fun. It's been a, it's been a great process. We've learned a lot and I'm looking forward to continue to expand. And there, I would have never put out a wine if I never met her, because I would have never probably dove down this path, honestly. So I'm thankful that she's been able to help me. And I'm thankful that I could put a wine out in, in her honor with uh, with the, the anthony and flower on it. That's very beautiful.
1: Thank you so much. What a great story, too. Thanks for kind of taking us on a deep dive into that process. That's awesome.
3: No problem. No problem at all.
1: Well, best of luck moving forward to you and the Blazers. It's going to be an exciting finish, going to be an exciting April. Can't wait to see how you all do and uh, stay healthy. And, and thanks again for your time, CJ.
3: No problem. You guys have a great one.
1: Okay, Speedy, it was fun this week because my dad does NBA on TNT games. His name's Kevin Harlan, and he usually is on Thursdays. But this past week, he was Tuesday, which means he was sending it back and forth to the Atlanta studios to our guy, Adam Lefko, who was our oh, guest with last Adam. week. Yes, right, it was. Right. So the, the ironic part is that now everyone's calling these games from home. You know, my dad's got this crazy studio set up in his basement. So well, what my family kind of likes to do is we have dinner now at my parents' house on the nights he has these games because it's so unique. We get to have dinner with them and then we all watch the game and he goes in the basement calling it. So Wait, I hold tell on, hold him, on.
0: Let me. Yeah. I got to ask a question here. So you guys sit upstairs and watch the game live on TV while he's in the basement giving the color commentary of said game? Yes. That is technology is nuts. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just blowing my mind. But Keep going. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. And and we try to make sure we're we're a conducive work environment. But my sister's got two little kids who are running all around. We're all having cocktails. You know, the whole thing is it's not a good work environment. So I give him a lot of credit for staying focused. But I tell him, you know, Dad, Adam Lefko, you're sending him back and forth to the studio. He's our guest this week. And he goes, okay, go ahead and write down the name, the name of the show. I do not want to mess it up. And, you know, you and Speedy and Adam, I just want to make sure I nail it because I'm going to do a little plug I was like, boy, that is so nice. How Thank special. You. Yes. We know we're only this is just our third episode We're we're getting off the ground. And I thought, boy, that's a big national audience. That's so nice. Well, I write down our show name, Unleashed, MGM. Adam Lefko, Speedy Mormon. I'm nervous. And, you know, it just it didn't go quite according to plan. And this was just a very big dad gaffe. Um, and I believe right now we can play it in.
2: Earth Express Halftime is on deck from our studios. Adam Lefko will orchestrate that. He'll be the anchor there. He's going to be on the Unleashed podcast by BET MGM with Olivia Decker and Speedy Morgan. That drops on Thursday. You want to hear Adam Lefko, a featured guest, on the BET MGM podcast. Outside,
0: it's been the long shot. Oh, my goodness. This is my first game. This is literally my first time hearing it. I
1: know we've saved it for you.
0: Yeah, because I I missed the game. Mm -hmm. I forget what I had going on. But wow. Because I texted
1: you and our producer, Maddie, and I said, hey, guys, you know, make sure you're tuned in. My dad's going to plug our show. This is so great. And that you had just missed it, like barely just missed it. And we said, well it was really nice he did it but uh kind of butchered the name and we're just giving him a hard time to be fair he was also doing March Madness games all week that was like his 12th game of the week I mean his the fact that he still even thought of us and thought to do it I was I was so flattered but I was like that's nah, such that, a dad thing
0: that is awesome but the fact that he sh- shouted out black entertainment television instead of Dead <laughs> MGM is hilarious I know. we're Paint the picture for me quickly. Were you in the living room, like upstairs, and like, all right, yes. here we go, guys. He's gonna announce it, and then, yes. and then, and then, how did you react? What, what, what happened?
1: So my mom and I just kind of look at each other, like, oh, <laughs> that wasn't it. <that." laughs> but you could tell. And he comes up after the game. And he said, "Did you hear it? How how was it? Did you hear it?" And I go, "Uh huh, yeah, yeah, I heard, I heard it." <laughs> so just one quick thing. And I thought. By writing it out, I made it super easy. But I did write B E T M G M. So like
0: in acronym, you wrote B dash E dot T.
1: I mean, I'm gonna to have to look back at the post it. I just wrote it quickly, you know. Bet M G M. So he came up. My mom and I were like, should we even tell him? He's gonna feel so yeah. bad.
0: No, but that's so sweet. Does he? Let me yeah. ask you. Does he do things? Is he like a dad's dad that he? You know, he kind of embarrasses you sometimes. That thing that dads do, or is this? Is this just like a, a a a good old fashioned dad slip up?
1: I've got to say neither one of my parents ever embarrassed me. Like my I think my parent, my parents are kind of cool parents every time they come around in a way that they're just such good people. Right. And I remember at my college graduation, my parents surprised me and flew down because I graduated a semester early. So none of my friends were graduating like that weekend. But they all surprised me with this big surprise dinner at a sushi restaurant with karaoke. And my dad, who again, likes to kind of fade in the background, you know, he's, he's so well known in our circles in like sports media circles. But, you know, my college girlfriends didn't really know who he was and, you know, didn't really follow sports. And my dad gets on the mic and starts singing Frank Sinatra. And has a beautiful singing voice, which shouldn't surprise you. Yeah. But that, to me, even that wasn't embarrassing. I'm like, that's so cool. He's just, you know, putting himself out there. And my friends were like, your dad is so cool. But that, they don't know much about his career, but they know that he killed it with Frank Sinatra.
0: (laughs) Shout out to Frank Sinatra. They'd be, if they were impressed on Frank Sinatra, they'd be so much more impressed at watching him do what he does <laughs> on a national television. So, you know, let me just say, my parents never really embarrassed yeah. me either. But you okay. know what my pops does that huh. that is just funny to me? My dad is so proud of like everything that I do and that I have yeah. going on, that when he's out and about like meeting people, he loves to just tell people about his son and like what his son does. So periodically, like especially pre-pandemic, like maybe once a huh. month, I get a DM on Instagram from somebody I don't know that says, hey, I just met your dad and he told me about what you do and blah, blah, oh. blah. Or, wow, I didn't know that you this was your dad, but I follow you already. Like, it's oh. the funniest thing, but it's really like a dad thing. And then I got to call him, dad, let me guess. You met <laughs> someone else in the Apple store this time or you met yep. somebody <laughs> in Best Buy. <laughs> Apple store. You know, my ba- my yeah. dad's a big tech guy. He likes to buy like gadgets oh, cool. and stuff. So He's at Best Buy. I, at this point, I'm sure every Best Buy employee knows who his <laughs> son is just because he's told to probably one by one by one.
1: Well, Speedy, think of it this way. Maybe he's not embarrassing you as your dad. Think of it like he's your publicist.
0: That's what I'm saying. He, it's like mm-hmm. the street. He's like my street team. You know, he's yeah. just like spreading the good word. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If you yeah. if you want to listen to a cool podcast or something, he you know, you've got a new podcast now because you know who I am. Because of my pop. So he's doing an amazing job. Plus, I don't even have to pay him. which Right. He doesn't
1: ask for 10 percent.
0: Nothing. He doesn't ask me for nothing.
1: (laughs) Good. But you know
0: what? I should start just kicking him 10 percent from like here on out. Any any new things that come my way, I'll just assume are by way (laughs) of his uh, word of mouth. You know, ask
1: him, ask your dad if he's up for hire, too. Maybe I'll ask for him to help you me know out. what
0: you need, you need him in your corner. I need, we to both need him in our corner. Uh-huh. We'll, how about this? We'll make him the official publicist of this podcast.
1: Yeah. Cause it's not going to be my dad.
0: Right. Which is called unleashed on B E T M G M or bet MGM, <laughs> or whichever way you want to pronounce it. Well, Olivia, thanks again to your pops though. He, you know, effort is all that matters. And so I'm excited that, that we got a shout out one way or another. Now, coming up next, we're going to wrap things up with this week's Lions Lock Pick, where our guru from BetMGM, Peter Andrew, gives you all of the insider knowledge about which picks are worth your bread and which picks you may want to hold off on. The Lions Lock. All right, guys, Peter Andrew has joined us now. Our guy, he is our betting savant from MGM, Peter, what's up, man? How
2: are you? Good. Am I considered a co-host now? This is my third, third consecutive uh, you know, episode? It's been, it's been, <laughs>
0: we've got to check the uh, prerequisites here, but borderline. Olivia, you can make the call. What do you think?
1: I don't know. The prerequisites might be kind of low, so you might be good, Peter. I don't know.
0: <laughs> the barrier Sorry, entry but... is rock bottom here, clearly. <laughs> but Peter, uh, oh. let's just really quickly recap some of our Lions Lock picks from last week. You made some bold calls. I assume you hit on some and assume that you didn't hit on some others. Why don't you just go ahead and run us through?
2: Yeah. So first, uh, I think I went uh, two and two. So the Oral Roberts plus 11 was, was uh, an easy lock, obviously. Came down to the buzzer there. Uh, heartbreaker for Ace So that one hit, luckily. I did say I don't think they come out on top. So it's nice to finally have a, a winning pick. In my back pocket, Gonzaga continued to roll. Uh, again, really impressive. I don't think we've even seen them scratch the surface of what they can be, which is really scary. And then, of course, on the negative side, Loyola. I think just given that they, they were playing from behind for a lot of the game, it seemed like they were just out of their comfort zone. They just weren't getting comfortable the same way you saw them in a couple of the previous rounds. And, and Speedy, obviously, the tough one, Syracuse. <sighs> don't say um, don't say. I think just the way they contained Buddy Bayheim. I mean, even off screens, just pick and pops kind of shots. He he just was contained. the shot one and nine. Um, so they did a really good job there. And obviously holding Syracuse to 49 points. I mean, you're going to win 99% of the time when that's the case. So it's nice to have some wins under my belt compared to last week or two weeks ago. So I'll take it in strides and keep moving forward.
1: So Peter, it's Tuesday morning as we're recording this. We only know one of the final four matchups, Baylor and Houston. I kind of like Baylor. They lead the nation in three-point shooting. They have a first-team All-American and Jared Butler and this stellar backcourt with Tegan Mitchell. And they're averaging like over 46 points per game. I think those three alone. But this Houston defense, they kind of out-tough you, you know, out-grit you. They hold opponents just to 57 points per game. So it, I think this kind of an old-school matchup. I'm not sure if their matchup styles will complement each other. I think it could be kind of an ugly game. Uh, what, what are you expecting in that one since it's the only one we know?
2: Yeah, so I think there's a a stat I read this morning. Houston's number two in three-point defense. Baylor's actually number one in three-point offense. I think that ends up being the game right there. I think, uh, you know, Maceo Teague last night, incredible from downtown. I think they were constantly finding the wide open guy. Happened to be him most of the time. I I really like Baylor here. I think if you're Houston, you have to be really concerned about your shooting. I think they shot 32% from the field, something like 34% from three. When you're inefficient like that, I think it's going to be really, really difficult against a Baylor team that, again, can can shoot from downtown. They're way more efficient and it's going to be a tough task for them.
0: Peter, I got to I got to pull your card here because you were pretty, pretty dead set on Michigan not being a contender. You thought they were going to get packed up last round. Uh, Here they are still dancing. How far do you think they go?
2: So obviously we're talking into the future a little bit here, but if you get a matchup like Franz Wagner versus Drew Timmy, that I think is, is the game right there. So if low post offense, low post defense, if they can contain him, he's clearly been the best player maybe in the tournament, but certainly for Gonzaga. So really ultimately comes up to that matchup. I think Uh, you got guys like Jalen Suggs and Kisbert that maybe haven't scratched the surface yet. Uh, I think Suggs in particular, but I think it really comes down to that low post matchup. I think there's good guard play on both sides, but Timmy's constantly putting up 22, 24 points, really, really efficient. So it really depends, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm eating my words here thinking Michigan was going to be an early out and, and look at them now.
1: Well, the final four starts Saturday. So we're looking forward to that, but I understand this weekend you're going to the Nets Hornets game. We've been talking a lot of NBA on this show is, is that a set lock? Do you have a line that you like there?
2: Uh, you know, obviously having no LaMelo, at least for the next month and potentially for the season is really tough for the team. I think they play good basketball. They're probably going to be a four or five, six seed in the playoffs. But when you talk about just what the Nets have been doing over the last couple of weeks, I know Blake and LaMarcus Aldridge have kind of gotten past their prime a little bit. When you have those two complementing guys like DeAndre Jordan, who are interior defenses, still second to none. And then obviously you have the, just the big three of Kyrie, Katie, Harden. It's really, really tough to not back them. I think the Hornets are going to be in a lot of trouble. They're just not as athletic. Uh, I think it's going to be a tough matchup. Uh, I don't know what the line is yet. I think we'll have to wait probably closer to Thursday till it's set. But I'm taking taking nets in the points. And Peter, obviously, we don't know the exact odds or maybe we do. But what do you think
0: the chances are of the nets taking it all now and, and have their odds increased with the addition of Blake and LaMarcus?
2: Yeah, I think playoff basketball, just different monster. You need the depth. You're going to get players inevitably that are getting banged up or in foul trouble. Having a couple of those guys, uh, again, maybe past their prime a little bit, but they can still play ball. I don't see a team that probably can compete with them. I think you see some of the concerns with the Lakers, AD's health, LeBron's health right now. A guy like Drummond is great, but I just don't think it's going to compare to a team that has such good perimeter shooting, can play inside out. Clippers are on a roll right now. I think they're one, six, six straight. But again, it's hard to find a team that's just going to be able to compliment or, or go against the, the complimentary pieces of, of what the Nets bring you, which is just five men that can score 20 points on any given day.
0: Last thing here, if someone had a, a, a metaphorical $100 to bet this week on BetMGM, where do you recommend they put their money?
2: Man, uh, it's, it's hard. Again, I've bet Gonzaga the whole way through to cover. I think you have to put $100 on them to cover their next game. For tonight, it happens to be, uh, I think it's minus eight and a half right now against USC. But but rolling into Michigan, it'll probably be closer to four or five should they win. I think you have to just ride the wave. They've covered every game, I think, probably for the last month going into the WCC tournament and even into the season. Uh, I don't think I've seen them in a couple of months now be an under 10 point favorite. So you have to ride the wave. Maybe you sprinkle in a parlay with Michigan to cover as well. I think, God, I think maybe you go you, you turn that hundred maybe into a quick two twenty five or two fifty, but both of those teams look just really, really solid, and again, eating my words on Michigan, they've proved me wrong for sure, but but uh Gonzaga is just a whole nother level of basketball
1: that's right, just this week, we learned Isaiah livers is out indefinitely for the rest of the season, but it doesn't seem to matter. Michigan looks as good as they have all season, so it's. Um, I like them. If I were to redo my bracket, actually I had Gonzaga winning still love the Zags, but Michigan, I think has pulled it together more than anyone expected. I put Michigan to win it all.
2: Yeah. Brandon Johns Jr. looked incredible this weekend. I mean, just really, really consistent, really efficient. Again, I know that's kind of a hot word here, but just playing really good basketball and a guy like him, that's six, eight that can take it outside. I think he shot 50% from three the other day, but also, like I said, big frame, big body can take it to the rim. Uh, it's it's going to be tough for the Zags to, you know, to, to match up with a guy like that. Kisbert, a little undersized, not as athletic as John's. So going to be really interesting going into the Final Four. Should be interesting
0: indeed. Peter, as always, we thank you for your time and uh, we'll check back in with you one week from now and uh, we'll see how your picks held up. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Peace, bro. Thank you. All right, guys. Well, that is it for our show today. Olivia, what a fun episode and what a wide range, right? We're talking sports picks, of course. We're talking BET, MTM. <laughs> and then we're also talking with NBA superstars. Did you have a highlight from this episode?
1: My highlight had to be sitting down with CJ McCollum, you know, via Zoom sitting down. It, he's just so multifaceted and interesting. And to hear his experience from his March Madness run, it puts a lot into perspective as we watch these teams still battle it out. Obviously, Final Four coming up this weekend. I cannot wait.
0: I cannot wait either. And we'll be back with you all next week. So make sure to check out all of the action from BetMGM. Follow them on all social platforms at BetMGM. And as we learned from Kevin Harlan, that is spelled B-E-T-M-G-M. Also, we're only asking one thing of you here. Please leave a review of the show on Apple Podcasts and make sure you follow us wherever you listen to your podcast. We'll see you guys next week. Peace.